the Team Performance Podcast with Spencer Horn and Christian Napier. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Team Performance Winning Ways for Uncertain Times podcast. I'm Christian Napier, and I'm so happy to be joined in person by the incredible Spencer Horn wearing the royal purple shirt, as always, and another very special guest, Ye Samake, who we will introduce properly in just a moment. But Spencer, how are you doing? Uh, you know, this is great. I think we've done maybe 25 of, of these and we've never done it face to face. It's all been through the internet and through. It's it's really amazing to be able to be here with you in the same room. It's a little strange. It is a little strange. People are real. You're, <laughs> just, you're not just a figment of my imagination, That's or right. you're not just a construct of the internet, a part of the matrix, or are you? I don't know. Oh well, Neil, we we shall find out. Well, you found us a great spot. Uh, this spot happens to be in the Larry H. Miller Entrepreneur Center. I don't remember the exact name of the place. It's a business incubator. It's a business incubator, uh, which is where we all met a very long time ago. Yeah, great story. I think it was 2004 that we started working for a company called Daily Dose. And it, this was a, a system started by Adrian Escalante that was really uh, a, a fantastic tool to help teach people who don't speak English as their primary language that maybe work in hospitality or or food service. And it, w it was a fantastic language training system. And we sold this all over the, the country and in, in Canada. And at the same time, uh, Adrian started a, a foundation with our guest, Ye Samake, called the Daily Dose Foundation. Mm -hmm. and, and it was awesome. I mean, you started before me. I can't exactly remember when you came in, Christian, but this was 16 years ago. Yeah, well, I came in with investors because I came in with Richard Bessemer and Mike Loind. Adrian told me about this, and uh, he was looking for capital, and they worked. They were partners of a contemporary, contemporary international, and uh, and they ended up investing in Daily Dose. And so I came through that route. Uh, I was working for the investor. Yeah, and, and you helped create a, a, a um, kind of a touchscreen learning system. And you remember you and I went to Boston to uh, companies like uh, Duncan Brands, and, and we went together. It was in the wintertime. Yeah, we did. We went uh, Acton. I think it was DC. Acton. We 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 took a trip. I think DC up to Philadelphia in Manhattan. We were in Manhattan up to Boston, and uh, yeah, we we sourced this stainless steel console, you know, a touch console to try <laughs> to do the things online. Yeah. You know, um, it was a it was a lot of fun back in the day. But but we got to meet also Ye, and he was really helping run this foundation, which is amazing because it was dedicated to building schools for primary children. Yes. Primary age school children in, in Mali, Africa, because of the huge need. Absolutely. Absolutely. The, the, the need continues there. But uh, uh, back in 2004, we started and the foundation built the first school in Mali in 2006. Right. And what was so cool about the system, they actually created a sustainable program where the people of Mali could build their own schools, right? They, they had this system that they could create their own adobe bricks and, and so created more sustainability in the school building. And, and you were really it's instrumental in creating that process. Uh, today, Spencer, we have built so far 40 schools since Daily Dose to Mali Rising and now to Empower Mali Foundation. Oh my gosh. Uh, now we have 40 schools in 40 different villages throughout Mali serving 150 uh, students each of the schools throughout the country and for many generations to come. And we're going to talk about why that's significant in a moment, but I'm, I'm really excited. You know, we're getting ahead of ourselves here. I want to introduce our, our guests that, you know, I, we say this all the time, but it, it's so great that you're here in this country and normally your home is in Mali, Africa. Yes. And you're here with your family. You have been for a little while, actually been stuck here <laughs> yes, because I have of been. COVID, yes, right? You, yes. had a, you had a plane flight. That, it, the country is locked down, so you can't get in. Mm -hmm. um, he actually had to sneak out to get here to come get his family. Yes. And I'm hoping that I will return with my family June 16th. And uh, little did I know that the airport of Mali didn't open. So I got stuck here since then. And uh, luckily, 
tomorrow I fly to Paris and then to Abidjan, a neighboring country that is open where the airport is open. So I will drive. Then you can cross the border there. 11 hours drive from Abidjan to Bamako. I mean, is this going to be some kind of Saharan cross the <laughs> desert? <laughs> no, actually, Abidjan is in the south. So it's like a Dracar? more tro- tro- tropical part. So, oh, tropical. Yeah, so, it's not going to be like that Dakar where no, you have to go across no, the sands. No, no. And, uh, what's that show? You, you know, you're friends with... Um, Who's the actor? Oh my gosh, uh, Matthew McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey yeah. wasn't he in that show that was filmed? Sahara, like, Sahara, yeah, yeah. Sahara, yeah, yeah, that's right. And so you're friends with him. Uh, absolutely, Matthew loves Mali. Mali is his second country, and uh, right now he actually just recently made a contribution of hundred thousand dollars to my foundation to uh, help with people in a difficult situation in the northern part of Mali. That is so cool. Uh, yeah, so that that movie Sahara, that's kind of what I was picturing. You're going across the, you know, the desert and and uh, Wella Sabugu and what, what, what's that town way up? Oh, Timbuktu. T- Tim, Timbuktu. Timbuktu, Timbuktu is, is in Mali. If you've yes. ever heard that, right? True, true. Wow. Well, we're just scratching the surface here with the introduction because you've done so much aside from Empower Mali and the uh, the foundation. Why don't you uh, describe or introduce uh, some of the other really amazing things this about? This is off the top of my head, though, Christian. So, for, yeah, you got to correct me. But w- when I met you, you know, this is we were just we were friends. We were just starting out. But since then, he's been the ambassador from Mali to ten different Asian. Southeast Asian countries, True. including India. Mm-hmm. We're based in India, New Delhi. Based in India, New Delhi. So he's been an ambassador. He's run for president twice of Mali. And, and, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Can you imagine, you know, we talk, this is a political, this is an election year here in the United States. I can't wait to hear about the differences of, of running for president uh, in Mali compared to here in the United States. And in addition to that, he has, um, you know, he, he's running a foundation on top of that. Now it's called the, the Empower Mali Foundation. Foundation, And he travels, uh, you know, the world. He's a representative for really for these villages that are struggling to some of the challenges that they have is having to walk miles to and from their homes to the villages where the schools are. And it's very dangerous. It can be. And. Especially, it gets very hot, up to 120 degrees, and children have to travel up to five miles to get to the nearest middle school. Uh, so you can see how challenging it is, especially for girls uh, who are usually left out because of the distance to the school right. for their safety. And sometimes they get attacked by uh, snakes, they get attacked by uh, wild animals. Uh, but now we build schools right there in the village, and this act of building school increases significantly the enrollment rate for these children, but especially for girls. I mean, could you imagine having to walk to school and have like wild animal repellent that you have to wear or or, or AK-47 <laughs> animal repellent, right? Well, the funny thing is, as we tell our children, right, we used to walk five miles uphill each way in the snow to school every day. Now I can embellish it further by saying, yeah, and we had to fight off wild animals. Yeah, what kind of wild animal, Jay? <laughs> snakes? Well, what kind of snakes? We, in some areas, you get, you know, not lions, of course, those are in the south of southern part of Mali. But you have all kind of wild animals that uh, people can come across in, in the villages. And children, um, especially girls, being far away from their family, sometimes get taken advantage of by the teachers, the teachers themselves. But most importantly, when schools are so far and you work so long, you are so tired to even focus in classrooms. And when you come back home tired, you can't do homework. Now, when you build schools in those villages, it significantly increases the performance of these young children. The Team Performance Podcast. Wow. So it's something that's so important. And, and over the years, I mean, h- these hundreds of, of, of kids that you've helped over the, over time, right? Even though you maybe have 150 now, over the years, oh, it, no, it's, it's, it's been a, 16 years that you've been doing this. Yes, it's 150 students per year. So if you time that 10 years, 15 years, and for generations to come, so many people will benefit. So we built this modest three classroom uh, and the headmasters and the storage room and, uh, and out out houses like a latrines for uh, girls and boys to to have that now we also provide school lunches for some of our schools where uh, 
we have some students coming from remote villages. So we are trying to, first and foremost, we believe that for any country to develop, you have to have at least 50% of your people literate. And so tell us why that's, and, and I haven't even talked about his other accolades. One more I want to mention, you've been the mayor of Welasabugu, which is the capital city, for six years. Yes. Welasabugu is informally the sister, sister city, city of Salt Lake City. Uh, Welasabugu counts today about uh, 80,000 people composed of 44 villages. I serve the people of Welasabugu as mayor to take the village from one of the bottom in terms of poverty, in terms of uh, tax collection, in terms of uh, infrastructure building, citizen participation, we ranked 699th out of 703 cities. But the time I was serving until three years, we became number seven in the nation in terms of building infrastructure, collecting uh, taxes, but also citizen participation, and most importantly, transparency. So we were remember, I'm still remembered by the Prime Minister's office where they posted on our experience. So because of the success of Wolisebu City, many mayors uh, came and actually voted me to be the vice president of the League of Mayors of Mali, which gave me contact with all of the mayors and sharing my experience and bringing some mayors here to Salt Lake City, Utah and also to Las Vegas, actually, to meet with um, mayors here to open their horizon into new leadership and especially to make each year a statement that we call the Salt Lake City Statement uh, based on um, commitment to transparency, to commitment to fighting corruption in our uh, municipalities. You know, I want to ask, how did this come to pass, you know, how did you originally come up with this vision that this is what you wanted to do with your life? You know, what was it about your upbringing that brought you to this particular moment and has allowed you to accomplish so much with what you've uh, done over the well, years? Christian, I will say that I am blessed to have these opportunities. Those children that we're talking about, I was one of them. Um, going to school barefoot. Uh, not having enough food to eat. I was one of them. And my father, his father, and the father of his father, let me tell you, we are the founders of a village called Welesibugu. Welese, my great-great-grandfather, was a hunter. And his son was Fasun, and Fasun's son was Niankoro. Niankoro's son was Chikurafin, and I'm Chikurafin's son. So we, throughout generations, we've known poverty. But my father decided that he wanted to break the cycle of poverty. And he was inspired that the only way he could do so was to send all of us to school. It was very risky. Neighbors warned him and said, if you send all of your children to school, you will go hungry. And his answer was always, my family will go hungry, but my family will not know the darkness of illiteracy. So he sent all of us to school. So we value education because of that drastic decision of my father. We truly broke the cycle of poverty. Since our sixth grade, we felt the power of education. So we believe in that. And that's why when I was given this incredible opportunity to come to America, I never lost sight on returning and serving back home because I know that America doesn't need me. I may want to live in America, but America doesn't need me. That's why I went back home mm. where I'm needed to serve the people of Mali. I believe in two things. I believe in our father in heaven. I believe in Jesus Christ, but I also believe in service, that's the example that Jesus has set, but that's the example my own father has set for us as his children. You know, as you just said that, I think people who are listening, if you're listening to this, you need to know how extraordinary what you just said is. What percentage of the country 
of Mali is Christian? Um, about two to three percent. So what's the rest? Uh, Muslim. We are a country 95% Muslim. Right. Um, yeah, of course, yes, uh, I I am unique in Mali, as, <laughs> especially as a political leader. Uh, not only I'm married to a beautiful woman from India, uh, my children were born here in America. I myself am the only uh, national figure in politics in Mali that does not live in a capital city. I live in a village, but also I happen to be Christian. So, uh, but, and this contradicts the general thought about Mali, a country 95% Muslim with freedom of liberty, a freedom of religion, freedom of expression. So it is a secular nation. We did not take the majority rule to make Mali an Islamic nation. We value democracy. We value our republic. And we value living together in harmony. And uh, that is one of the, the, the riches, the wealth of my nation. It's still an extraordinary thing because even though you have all that freedom, only 2%, you know, we have people in this country that are part of a, a, a religion that is much bigger than that and still receive a lot of religious bigotry or question about how their faith is going to impact their running for politics. And so, you know, has that happened to you where people are like, hey, you're, you're not part of the, the in crowd, so I, I don't know if I can trust you? I, I guess uh, uh, my country can teach one or two things to uh, America uh, with regard to uh, religious tolerance. Um, yes, I have uh, seen, uh, especially in uh, 2008 presidential election, uh, is it 2008 when yeah. Romney ran for president? Yeah, uh, Romney, yeah. Yes. Uh, I've seen the dialogue going on, the debate in America regarding his, his faith, right. which to me was irrelevant. Uh, we look at the track record of a human being. What can he bring to our community? What can he bring to society? What can he bring to our democracy? Those are the factors that should determine who we vote for, not just the person's faith. Um, having said that, in Mali, of course, if you listen to uh, the news, you will hear jihadists, you will hear a lot of things, factors in Mali. If you go, uh, we have a very weak nation today. What do you mean by weak nation? Uh, because of the leadership. We have a president who uh, has failed the people, who has made promises that he couldn't keep. And uh, so today he is uh, severely challenged and contested by the people of Mali. We are demanding for his, him to resign from power because he has abused the power and um, he has uh, embezzled uh, himself and his, and his family. They have embezzled a lot of money. And... Uh, Insecurity is growing. There's a, uh, ethnic violence is uh, spiraling in my country because of lack of leadership. So that's why the country is very weak today. And we are trying to repair and make sure that we have a leadership of integrity that will focus more on the need of the people that will put Malians first and uh, in every policy that they make. So that's what we're seeking today to reform our country, to go to the refoundation of Mali as a nation. The Team Performance Podcast. That sounds like a tremendous undertaking. I, I look at my life and I'm thinking, well, I got to get groceries today. <laughs> Do we need bread? My problems, my issues, my challenges seem so insignificant. I mean, you really have... Uh, the lives of millions. I have to wear millions. a mask to go get that bread. Yeah, <laughs> which is violating my constitutional rights. But... <laughs> Here you've got, I mean, you know, as we would say, you got big boy problems, right? You, you are, you are dealing with some significant challenges. How do you, how do you keep it from overwhelming you? Well, um, I'm a believer and I believe in prayers. I believe also, um, in people. I believe that we're here to, to progress. No one wants to go backward. Um, of course, we can be misguided at times. So we have to take one day at a time. When we have so, a challenge so great, um, of course, we, by doing small actions, positive actions on a regular basis, that's how we end up with extraordinary result. We have to be consistent 
in what we want to achieve. And the number one um, uh, uh, secret of all of it is service. You have to have this sense of service. I do believe that as we turn our heart towards each other, our collective needs will be met. So we have learned too much of individualism, that it is all about me, it's uh, for me. Um, we have forgotten about the us. You do you. Exactly. And uh, there's we, even songs about that, you know. Exactly. I'll so be you, you be you and I'll be me. Uh, yeah, we collectively, you are nothing without me. I'm nothing without you. So collectively, we are everything. So we have to keep that in mind in every aspect. So that's why, um, you know, I go out and serve. I go out in the villages where there is need. I evaluate their needs. If they need a school or they need a water system. And I go share this needs with people with means. And they are looking for opportunities to, to help. And when they find a reputable organization such like Empower Mali, then they invest in our organization and we go and build schools. We provide tractors for farmers so that they can have food security. Uh, we built water sources for villages so that uh, they have access to clean water. Uh, we also uh, make sure that uh, uh, sometimes we give scholarship to children uh, exceptional children to come from Mali to come to America or go to India to have access to quality education. But all in all, uh, not only I am heavily involved with our foundation, but I also am heavily involved in politics because I believe that every good person has his own place into his or her own place into politics. We shouldn't be engaged. We shouldn't be just limited to uh, fetching our daily bread. We, we have potential. We have been given potential by our creator. We should be able to use that, not only to improve our own lives, but to improve our communities, to improve our nation. One of the couple of things that we talked about in a previous podcast was give serve, do something for somebody else, right? That's mm -hmm. what helps you to feel happy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And what you just said as well is we talked about not complaining and you talk about get involved. If you're not happy with how things are going in your country, do something do about something it. Instead about of complaining, it. take positive steps. And, and Spencer, um, when we say do something, most people think, you know, go to Washington, D.C. or go to the <laughs> state capitol. No, do something in your mosque. Do something in your church. Go do your something in your, in your synagogue, in your little community. Yeah. Um, serve your neighbor. Um, you know, look for vulnerable people in your community and uh, do a little bit. As we give a little, as everyone gives just a little, because there is always someone who is doing a little worse than you that you can make better of. When we do that, then we become a wholesome community, a wholesome nation where everyone's need can be met. You know, and this is true of businesses as well. I mean, really the theme of what we talk about is team performance, right? So we're talking about community, which is a team. Mm -hmm. We're talking about families. We're talking about nations. And, and so right now, you know, we're taking advantage of, of the opportunity of having you here. But, you know, Christian and I got to have lunch with you yes. week before last. I, was so, I hadn't seen you in a, in a long time. And I, I, I want to set up a little bit of my, my question to you because you said something that, that really stuck with me. And um, so I want to set this up. You came a couple of years ago to Las Vegas. It's, it's been, I don't, how many years ago was that? Uh, in 2018. I think it was, was it 2018? No, no, it's, it's been longer than that. 2013. Is that when might I was have been running? 2013. Yeah. When I was running for president? Yes. Yeah, 2013. You were running for president. And so I, I introduced you to the time to the uh, lieutenant governor of, of Nevada. His name <laughs> yeah, is Mark Hutchison. Is, yes. and, and we were over at, uh, at, at a friend of mine's house. They were having a, a fundraiser. And and the, the lieutenant governor, Mark Hutchison, he turned to you and said, so, so what's it like running for president of <laughs> politics in, in Mali? Yes. Do you remember what you told him? I told him that at least you don't get shot at here. As a, <laughs> uh, you know, so, you know, you guys are lucky. And, uh, so you have religious tolerance, but there's also no gun control. Well, no gun control, of course. <laughs> I, you know, at times I have to wear my bulletproof jacket to go to certain meetings. And uh, So this is what I want to talk about. So, so let me just say, so one of the things that you said, so I asked you, I'm always... I think about you a lot, and I'm thinking about your security, your safety. I, I, I talk about prayers. I actually put you in my prayers and your family because thank you, thank you, Spencer. I, I seriously think about your safety over there in a minority in a Muslim country. Not not to say that they would, do, but there are extreme people that yeah, look yeah. at you as a threat. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And one of the things that you you said when we were having lunch is you said, "I'm a unicorn." 
basically you are a, a, unique. Yes, you, unique. Mm-hmm. You you didn't say unicorn. You said I'm unique. Yes. And you said, I believe in being bold. Is that what you said? Absolutely. And and, and so so here's I want to reframe that. So you had security provided to you by. The, your opponent, mm-hmm. the, the president, the president, yes. uh, the president of the country at that time provided security. And what was the problem with that? Well, I mean, you know, the same person you're trying to hide from, if you know, <laughs> he's sending people to secure you, of course, you're not very well secured. Uh, but, you know, you have to find your own security to make sure that they don't know exactly where you are. They don't know your every move. So that's why I... So you got rid of your yeah, security of course, details course, that yes. was provide. Could you imagine your, your political enemies providing you security, Christian? Well, well yeah, in America I mean, here, if the, the institution is stronger than the man, you can. But there, the, the, the man is stronger than the institution. So it, he owns the police force. He owns the army. Uh, he owns the justice. So uh, it's such a way that you can't trust that. In many ways, they own the election, too. Ex- exactly, exactly. And that's what we the, the, the he's going through that right now. But let me actually expand a little bit on being bold. So I, and I want you to tie that to... You know, we talk about being successful in life and in business. Mm-hmm. How has being bold helped you in this I, situation? For example, in Mali, a lot of people will hide from their uniqueness. And my boldness here is to say, I am different. I'm not Muslim in a country of 95% Muslim, but I want your vote. I am a a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And at the time in 2013, I was practically the only member of the church in the whole nation. (laughs) But I know what I have. If I value what I have, I don't have to hide it. I want to promote that. I want you to have it. And I want you to see the light and the, the, the joy what I have is bringing to me for you to want it. So for that, I have never shined away from, you know, telling people who I am and what I stand for. I'm different. My wife is not from Mali. My children are born in a different country. Um, You know, I was educated here in America and I am now a a unique politician. And which is true. I am the only uh, political leader in Mali to have run for president who does not live in the capital city. But I rejoice in living in my native, in my village, founded by my great-great-grandfather. How many politicians can stay that in Mali? They would like to have that. But if I shine away, it will make something, it's, it's part of my, my assets. You own it. You own your asset. Don't hide it because it helps you uh, grow your business. It helps you grow your, your political uh, ambition. So, yes, you have to be bold with what you believe in, what you stand for, for others to join you in in that belief or in that organization or in that business. The Team Performance Podcast. So I want to ask you, how did you overcome the fear? Because it's not easy to, to do what you've done, to be a politician, to run for president, understanding that your life literally may be on the line. How do you, how did you find the inner strength to overcome fear so that you could be bold? Well, you know, you don't overcome fear. Mm -hmm. You just don't let fear hold you back. You know, sometimes you're frightened. You know that this is not a friendly environment you're walking into. But don't let, let that fear hold you from walking into that unfriendly environment and boldly telling them that they need that difference. You are different, but here is what that difference will help you. We all want to improve ourselves. Even your fiercest enemy is in need of someone, something that will ha- help them access so my friend James said that uh, there are few things, uh, three things that we are all after in our life, which is uh, resources, statues, and the third one escaped me, uh, resource, statue, and 
Oh, James, I wish you were here yeah. too. Yeah, well, we had him on a yeah. couple of months ago. Uh -huh. So, status research and it is status. So, resource you've got and things like uh, significance, maybe? Exactly. So, but I, you have to show people that my difference is not a threat to them. I'm different, but, you know, it's not a threat to you. I'm adding to you. I have to change my attitude to receive a positive feedback from you. At first, you'd be scared that, oh, well, what is a Christian doing here? How's that going to change my life? Exactly. How's but it if take you, a, what's it going to do to me? If you see that where my Christianity focuses on honesty, the values that you also share in your religion, I'm not so different. We have the same values. When there is that common understanding, it removes the, the, the insecurity for all of us. You know, it's so interesting because right now in this country, we are so focused on what separates us mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and we are not listening to each other to find out what those similarities are, where we are sharing values. And we share more values. I mean, it's like you said, oh, yeah. we're, we're yeah. seeking things like we all want love. Mm -hmm. We want significance. We want a roof over our shel a, a, a shelter. We want roof over our heads. We want education. We want opportunity for our children. We all want those things. Yes, absolutely. We, you know, we, we want to enjoy sports. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. Hopefully sooner rather than later. We want to, we, we want to have happiness. We all want those things. We all pursue those, those things. Exactly. Absolutely. And we don't always agree on how to achieve those things. You know, Spencer, now that you point that out, so my pursuit of happiness shouldn't be perceived as a threat to your, 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 attainment of that, the same thing. So there is enough resources. Our combined resources, our combined effort uh, is more likely to, to draw us near our objective than the conflict that we can create. So that's why uh, it helps all of us to create a friendly environment, a peaceful environment for our, all of us to thrive. When once I am feeling threatened in this environment, you cannot thrive because I see you as a threat then I can target you uh, out of fear. It's really a scarcity mentality. Uh, yeah, it, it is. But there is enough for all of us. There, there, so I love that because there is enough in this world for all of us. You know, first world, second world, third world, doesn't matter. We There is enough for everyone. Of course, yes, yes. We just have to have that security. We just have to also understand that the other is not taking away from me is actually adding to you. With my help and your help, we can take a heavier load that individually we can't. It's so interesting. It's in, it's embodied in the, the name of your foundation, which is Empower. Empower each other, and, yes. And like you say, um, many people feel like it's a zero-sum game. For me to win, you must lose. No, it shouldn't be. And what you're saying is for me to win, you must win. Absolutely. It's a win-win. Right? If you win, then mm -hmm. I win. Of so this is, this is a team performance concept. Exactly. You know who Boyd Packer is, right? Yes, of course. So he, he was a, 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 he's a leader of, 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 in the church's past women years. Parker, yes. But he had, he went to, one time he was in New Hampshire and he went to a state fair and they have this, uh, uh, they have this pole that they put oxen on a harness and they have them pull these tons, you know, several ton stones. And what they do is they keep adding stones until the oxen can't pull them anymore. And if you, if you have the oxen pull individually, they can't, you can't add up their weights to the same amount that two can pull together. And he was watching this and he thought, oh, these two huge oxen are going to win. But the ones that actually won the pull were two of the smallest. He said, how is that possible? And the people who were running this said, it's because those two pull exactly at the same time. When, when, they, when we pull different directions, it diffuses the power of, of the team. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But when we're working together, we can accomplish so much more than we can individually. No matter how big we are, no matter where we're from, when we work together, we can accomplish so much more than when we're divided. Absolutely. I, I strongly believe that. So in, in any case, um, coming back to, to Mali, uh, 
You don't want to go to New Hampshire anymore? Oh, <laughs> no, no. I'll stick. I'll stick to Mali. That's where I'm on my way. So, um, I'm going to Mali um, tomorrow. To Mali tomorrow. To Mali. To Mali tomorrow. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm going to Mali because I want to go serve. My country is in a big turmoil. Mm. Uh, the president could step down any day. Uh, last uh, last week, he dissolved the constitutional court because of corruption, election fraud, and the same court that actually got him appointed instead of elected as a president. And then a few months later, a few months back, we had a parliamentary election where I was running in the parliamentary election. The president also... Um, they rigged that election to get his entourage elected. And that boils a sense of insecurity in the people. And we start to have a post-electoral conflict. And suddenly, his seat as president is at stake because of corruption, rampant corruption. So the reason why I, I went back to Mali to illustrate this, our good behavior, when we work together, when we go the same direction, then we achieve greater things. But if we go this different direction, it goes against all of us. If the president of Mali had played fair game for the benefit of all the players, he would have been president at peace now. But he wanted to go the opposite direction and to get everything else. The Team Performance Podcast. It's the game theory, isn't it? It is. And yeah. now he's... You he's think you, get, you get more if you take a take from someone else and somebody else doesn't get anything. But it's like it, it, it is. there's a whole theory here about how do you maximize the, the benefits for all society exactly. or for your business or for you individually. So the optimum use of power is to be fair, to be just, but also, as you were pointing into New Hampshire, going the same direction. At the same time. At the same time. But if you go against your people, when your people want justice, they want social justice, they want fairness in elections, they want a, a fair redistribution of wealth in the country, or even of power, and you go the other direction, it does not promote progress for all in the society and especially yourself. It puts you in danger because you're creating an environment of insecurity. And so yes, I um, certainly appreciate um, your analogy uh, from Boyd K. Parker, but I am seeing this in, 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 in the context of my country right now where I'm, you know, excited, but worried about, you know, I am excited that I could go back tomorrow and play a role in dissipating the social unrest that is uh, going on today. I was on BBC yesterday explaining the role I will be playing when the organizers of the movement to remove the president are perceived as members of the Islamic faith, a country 95% Muslim, the actors being Muslim shouldn't be an issue. No. But the Western world say, well, we have jihadists in this country. For this imam to lead this uh, movement, then he has uh, the intention to change the secular uh, nature of Mali into an Islamic nation. And I spoke uh, against that. I said loudly, I said, you're wrong. It's a wrong perception of our problem. It's a wrong perception of the movement to claim or to request fairness in elections, to request that the leaders, when they are coming to power, that they, they keep their promises. That doesn't, you cannot reduce that to just religious or ethnicity. This is democracy. And I said, the gentleman that you're taxing as 
Muslim and Islamic leader. I support him, but I'm not Muslim. And I'm not of his ethnic group. He's a Pulani. I'm a Bambara in Mali. So um, it is a legitimate movement, which is trying to solve a legitimate problem of a people. Uh, ultimately, in any nation, the people are sovereign. The sovereignty of any nation, the, the first institution of any nation is its people. And I used to say this, America achieved greatness in the time when far above um, any nation in terms of democratic values, in terms of economic success. America had not failed Americans. The reason, the fundamental reason of the success of this country is not the natural resources, it's the people. Americans are the greatest resource this country has. It's true of every country. And they love their country. Yeah. Americans have made what America is. In, in return, the institutions have been fair and supportive of the people. If you don't have that, if you don't create a synergy for the people to owe to the country, then the sentiment of love of the country is significantly reduced. So that's what we want to recreate in Mali. Every Malian should feel the protection of the, of the, um, how do you call it? The, oh, the word escaped me. Le, le, le. The paternal uh, well, <laughs> nature I'm talking of about government. The, yeah, the government. <laughs> government is supposed to protect each and everyone, not just one class over the other. Right. So we have to have that collective belief that Unbiased our institutions are protecting us. Um, in any case, so that's uh, some of the thought I wanted to, to share. Well, I mean, we certainly have our challenges here in the United States. And when it comes to the idea that the government protects us, there is a segment of the population who feels like they have not been uh, properly, duly, justly served and the things that have not been fair. And in in a way, it's been really good for this to come to light because it is illustrating some of the shortcomings. And I hope that that in the future, our country and our governments and our people will make strides to treat each, treat each other with kindness, with fairness, uh, with equal justice and equal protection under the laws. Mm -hmm. I'd love for you to just uh, talk a little bit about that. When you lived here before, I remember, yay, you talking about driving. <laughs> you used to live in Highland, Utah, right? Yes. You, you would, you'd be driving down the road and he'd get pulled over. It's like, I wasn't speeding. Yeah. And, and what, what happened? I mean, what did you experience? I was driving while black. You were driving while black. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> uh, you know, but it's true. Uh, you, you get profiled, of course. Um, uh, every society, if you go to Mali, um, you know, we are black people, we are Africans, and uh, uh, you come there, say, the white guy in the village, people, children will be running away from you. They'll be <laughs> screaming and, because you, and, you know, it's unusual. But, you know, here, um, the issue um, in America today is the syst systemic uh, uh, racism. And that is uh, causing the protests. Uh, people at some point should listen to each other. We can't be all yelling at each other mm. at all time. This is a time where we should listen to each other. Uh, people are not talking to each other anymore. Everybody's talking at one another or talking about one another. Uh, it's a time for America, for the sake of America, to consider that because no one should be left behind. Even the perception of being left behind equals the actual fact of being left behind. So let's heal this nation because if America breaks down, the whole world will fall apart. America holds all of us together. We look at America, we, you guys here take what you have for granted, but you have the, the near to perfect institutional arrangement on earth. Some people want to take that away. Well, it, it can't. They can't. The institution is stronger than anybody. It can be perfected. 
it can be improved. Uh, the cry for improvement shouldn't also be uh, fear felt and secure for others. Mm -hmm. If we ask, you know, for uh, the system to be broken down, <laughs> that's that's not in our favor. No one wants America to fail. No one wants institutions to to not work for so for the greater good. The Team Performance Podcast. It's really interesting to hear that coming from you living in another country. And, and I mean, I, I've always felt like that's true about, you know, our country is has an impact in, in the world. Oh, and, absolutely. And certainly we've we've made mistakes and I'm not talking about you and me, Christian, but, you know, our country as a whole, we haven't always made the right choices, but our democracy has made a huge impact in the world. Absolutely. It, uh, it has inspired. Uh, I went to school in America. As I said, I could have stayed here in America, but I wanted uh, what is here for my people, for my country. Mm -hmm. I want the same institutional arrangement in Mali. I want democracy to flourish in my country. It's what draws a lot of people to this country. Absolutely. My parents were immigrants. It's the safest Both place to be today came from other countries. to express your yes. opinion and to, 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 to practice your, any religion you want. Yeah. It's freedom. I would say freedoms in America, freedom to, to do so many things, freedom to have access to the best in, bank, banking system, the financial systems. Uh, you have uh, the, the, the safety. I mean, I feel much safer when I come to America. Than, <laughs> you don't have to wear your bulletproof vest? No, Are you no, wearing that? No, not here in America. No, I'm <laughs> safe. But see, this is, people always want more. You cannot ever satisfy mankind when we get some perfection we want more so um, i'm not surprised and i don't see it necessarily as a bad thing that people want improvement that there there is there, there are conflicts and there will always be conflicts the conflict of leadership there'll be conflict for resources there will be conflict for status and the resources. We have to value each other. The three of us have known each other for nearly 16 years. We, we genuinely respect each other. Because of that, we can sit right here at this table and have an honest and frank conversation about almost any topic without me feeling threatened, without you feeling threatened. So if we can create and replicate that, that people feel safe to talk to each other, that there will be understanding, a greater understanding, that talking to each other will serve our you know, common purpose. So the point I was trying to make, we have known each other for so long, we respect each other, and this is genuine, it does, it's not, because of the wealth that you have, or the wealth that I don't have, I, or the wealth that I don't have, oh. <laughs> and so I certainly don't have uh, it. It's really for your intrinsic value to me as a human being, and we have to value that more than your utility. Uh, you know, the the platform you can provide me to express my view on podcasts shouldn't be greater. Uh, importance to me than our human relationship. So we have to go back to that. We have to value humans. Our humanity depends on it. We can't continually be escalating our race for material things or our race for status, our race for resources. We have to at some point say, Spencer is a great man. I really like Spencer. Christian is a wonderful person in I like Christian, and that is not associated with the color of the shirt you're wearing or the t-shirt you're wearing. It's just the humanity that you provide to all of us. I want to come back to the idea that we are always uh, trying to be better. We're striving. We're not perfect, but we're nobody's satisfied. We're always trying to get better. You know, it's embodied, I guess, in the preamble of our constitution, right? We, the people in order to form a more perfect union, not mm -hmm. the perfect union, but more, we, yes. we keep trying to get better and better. And tying into what you said, Spencer, about the 
oxen pulling in the same direction and and being united and and working together as one you can be compelled to do that mm-hmm. or you can choose how do you how do you get people to march in the same direction without compulsion you know with, with you, just uh, having them of themselves desire they want to do this they do it from 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 their own choice rather than being compelled or forced to do it the way that you want to do it i heard an answer that you already gave to that question yes go ahead you said it was service service leadership to lead is to serve nothing less if we have a leader that can inspire all of us that can make all of us feel safe in the attainment, in the pursuit of our objective of a good status of material wealth. Not perceived as putting themselves first. No, exactly. If we are led by someone who is putting the welfare of the, the common welfare above his personal welfare, because leadership is all about others. When I was running for president, this is what I used to tell people. I'm seeking this power. There are three things God has given all of us. And God can give an, in abundance to any individual. One is wealth. One is knowledge. And the other, other one is power. Wealth, you can use it on yourself at all time. You can do good with wealth. You can focus on yourself, then your family. If you want, you can serve your community with us. The other one is knowledge. When you have knowledge, you use it to improve yourself. But you can also use it to improve others. But power is like priesthood authority. It's being used primarily to serve others, to improve others. If you use power solely on yourself, it loses its authority. It becomes useless. It creates contention and discontent around you. And that's what we've seen in many places where leadership forgets the meaning of power. Gosh, that's, that, that's, that's relevant in business yeah, and in our household. Absolutely. All absolutely. those things apply in every setting. It's not just we're talking about government. This is, this is very, very important what you're saying. Sorry to interrupt. I'm, no, I'm, it's true. So I, wherever I go, and this relate, people relate very well to this because, yes, you know, if I work hard and I make wealth, it's my, my money. I can do whatever I want with it, but I can also choose to do good with it. Yet, it is still my money. I can keep it. But power is has different. to be given away to exactly. be effective. So Interesting. Yeah, for sure. That's why I said to lead is to serve. You have to be willing and able to give to others without expecting anything in return because you have already been given the fullness of the service, which is the power, the authority you have to enact a change to bring us together, as you have asked, Christian, to inspire us, to motivate us to work together, to forget our individual weaknesses because it is compensated by our individual strengths. My weakness is compensated by your strength and your weakness is compensated by my strength. So when the leader is able to project that, to make this the general conception of each team member. So we go together the same direction and we become more efficient and we accomplish more than the sum of what we can do individually. Brilliant. The Team Performance Podcast. Well, we have taken a lot more time than we originally anticipated. And I really appreciate you, Ye, coming and being so generous of your time, particularly on the eve of your departure back to, <laughs> to Mali. We were so grateful for that. 
Uh, Spencer, do you have any other questions before we wrap up? Um, any final thoughts that you want to leave with us, yay, before we conclude our podcast? Well, I certainly appreciate this opportunity to speak with your audience. And um, I uh, hope that uh, from Mali, one day I can come back on your podcast and uh, reconnect with uh, uh, your generous audience because they are the one taking time to listen to what we got to say. So I am very appreciative of the opportunity we have to to commune, to share our thoughts with them. At this time, I certainly have been listening uh, to a uh, few of your podcasts and I will continue to listen even from Mali. Um, to, I'm pleased to be here and I know that um, we all have a purpose. Hey, and, yeah, if, yes. if someone wants to learn more about what you're doing with the Empower Mali, I know you're going to ask about the other stuff and, and they want to learn about the mission of that organization and maybe donate. There's ways for people to get involved in helping these, these kids be safe and, and go to schools as they're... Yes, yes. Where, um, where do they go? Uh, EmpowerMali.org is our uh, organization's um, uh, website. Uh, well, we are on Facebook, Empower Mali. Uh, if you look Yes Amake online, uh, you can also connect directly to our foundation through my name. Uh, but what we're doing is truly uh, remarkable. I am personally thrilled to be a part of it. Uh, the support, even during this hard time of uh, COVID in America, where most businesses are um, affected, uh, people have continued to be generous to our foundation. We have, um, this year alone, we have built two new schools. The third one is underway right now. And Fantastic. we receive donation for two more schools during my trip here uh, with uh, generous donors, including Ian McCracken, who is building his second school this year alone. So people can join us and um, improving lives. Um, and this is a very reputable organization where 100% of donation go to project because we don't have an office, we don't have employees. So we work directly with villages and the schools we built are 100% sustainable from day one because uh, we conceive a plan where it is a three-way partnership. Villages pay 20% of the cost of the school. We provide 80% of the cost of the school. They provide the land and the upkeep of the schools and government provide the teachers and the training for these teachers. So once the school is built, the villages are in charge of it. They own it. It is not the foundation school. So each of these schools are purely uh, sustainable. It's wonderful. I, I, I do want to say something about your name. My kids get a kick out of me <laughs> talking about because, you know, when we were working together, I would always call you and I, you know, I have this way of, of, of answering or the phone. When you answer, I would say, yay, mm -hmm. Spencer, because I'm telling you who I am. That's yeah. just, it's just this thing. And my kids, when they hear me, they, because I would say, yay, Spencer. And they all would laugh because they thought, you know, they, they didn't know who I was talking. They're like, I'm saying yay, Spencer. Yeah, yes, Spencer. <laughs> well, my name is Yay Samake. Yeah, that's yes. right. But they thought I was talking about me. Yay for me, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for Spencer. Right. That's fantastic. Now, aside from the foundation, if people want to connect with you to talk about uh, the political aspects or even just you know, want to learn more from you, what's the best way for them to contact you? Is it through the foundation or is there another way that you would like people to well, contact you? Well, I have you? my website, yesamake.com, Y-E-A-H-S-A-M-A-K-E.com. Um, there are multiple ways that I can connect with people uh, to not only talk about politics, but also um, investments. If any investor is interested in um, investing in Mali, for example, I can facilitate that. Um, we have, um, if anyone also wants to support uh, a politician in Mali, um, they can make donation to my uh, yesamake.com website uh, to, to support a leadership with integrity uh, leadership focus with uh, serving the people. How so, do people in how do people in Mali feel about you with your American entourage and American support? Um, they feel like I'm very privileged that uh, this is what most people aspire. That I was able to build this network here of friends in America, including pro very prominent people like uh, the the two of you who can give me this platform. Uh, people appreciate that. 
because I don't use this just for my sole benefit. I use it to, to create opportunities for the people of my country. So they don't see it as anything arrogant because, as I said, it's all about serving the people. Good. Sorry, I thought I didn't have any questions, but... That's all right. I've got one question left for you, Spencer. What's that? If people want to find out more about you and the work that you're doing, what's the best way for them to contact you? Spencer at altiumleadership.com, A-L-T-I-U-M leadership.com. Or you know what? Just look me up at altiumleadership.com on the uh, on the website. You can chat me there. Mm. All right. Excellent. And people can reach me at cnapier at gp4.com is my email or go to the website gp4.com. It's G-P-F-O-U-R. Com. Yay. Thank you so much again for joining us. Listeners, please like and subscribe to our podcast and we'll join you again next week. Yay. Thank you so much. Thank you. Appreciate it. <laughs>